Hey everybody, welcome to Theory Lab, the American Cancer Society's research podcast. Actually, it's more than that. Theory Lab, quick digression on a word here, Theory Lab is also an online community. It's the American Cancer Society's online community for folks who've received research and training grants from us. So they're cancer researchers, clinicians. Um, there's about 1,300 scientists in the community right now, and they're it's kind of a space for cancer researchers to network, collaborate, find and provide mentoring. And also each year we have a grant competition through Theory Lab. We just announced a partnership with Emerson Collective a few weeks ago for this year's grant competition, Theory Lab Collaborative Grants or TLC grants. They're designed to support new and transdisciplinary collaborations among Theory Lab users, among the the ACS and Emerson Collective grantees who are in this community. We're really trying to, to find, you know, high-risk ideas to support, including COVID-19 research that's rele relevant to cancer. So for the interview today, you're about to hear conversation between two scientists who were funded in last year's uh, TLC grant competition, Dr. Matt Bachman and Dr. Seth Herzon. Dr. Herzon's professor of chemistry at Yale University, and Dr. Bachman is associate professor of molecular and cellular biochemistry at Indiana University. Two great guys, two great scientists. And what's cool is they actually found each other through Theory Lab, through this online community. Um, so in the interview, they're going to talk about some of the um, do's and don'ts of collaboration, um, how to collaborate with scientists in different disciplines or who might be at different career stages. Transdisciplinary collaborations are, are an exciting and important way to approach cancer research problems, but um, it's not easy. Uh, my colleague, Dr. Susanna Greer, spoke with Drs. Bachman and Herzon. First, she, she shared a few thoughts about the challenges of collaboration in science. Collaboration is hard. It's hard for any of us to collaborate, whether it's two kids trying to collaborate on a project, or if you're collaborating with your spouse on cooking dinner. And I think collaboration can be especially challenging for scientists. And Seth and Matt lay out a beautiful landscape of both why they wanted to collaborate, how they were motivated to collaborate with each other, and then they give some great tips on how we may all bring their best practices into our collaborations. All right. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Seth. How are you two? Good. How are you? I am so, I mean, podcast, this, this podcast is always fun and exciting, but I think this is going to be such a delight because we're going to talk about collaboration and highlight a extraordinarily successful collaboration the two of you have had and maybe give some do's and don'ts. Our audience is familiar with Theory Lab because it's the name of the podcast, but it's also an online community for American Cancer Society grantees. So individuals who have grants now who've previously been funded by us and then other individuals who maybe are reviewers of our grants or, or collaborators. And so it's a really fantastic space for scientists to get together and have conversations. And last year we had in Theory Lab our very first grant competition and our goal was to support and fund collaborations between scientists who were working in different fields. So that brings us to today because you two had an application that really stood out as being quite the innovative and 
fantastic collaborative team. And so you received our first ACS Theory Lab collaborative grant. So we call those TLC grants and maybe we'll get into a little bit of this. So I don't want to throw our audience off too much, but your, your grant is on click chemistry and using click chemistry to study DNA interactions. So before we dive into that, let me just level set a little bit on how did this how does this even get started? So Matt, let me start with you. Maybe tell us how did you even know that you needed a collaborator to accomplish a research challenge that you had? Yeah, so I, I had this idea to, to use click chemistry as a way to probe a pathway of DNA repair. And I'm a biochemist by training. I took organic chemistry many, many moons ago. And I remember that carbon and hydrogen are important, but that's about it. So to actually make the chemistry happen, I needed a, you know, a card carrying chemist on the team. All right. So I, I think it's step number one is to identify what that essential element is that you're lacking either on your team or in your department. So it sounds like, Matt, you identify that. And I would say a lot of our listeners, we, we would be in the same place, right? Realizing that we have a great idea, but... Um, know that we need some other essential expertise. So if you are in that space, I think it can be one thing to know that you need help and quite another to be ready to ask for that help. It can be a little intimidating. So Matt, maybe walk us through the process. How did you go about finding the right collaborator? So I guess in essence, how did you find Seth? You know, I, I started locally. Uh, my building is right next to the chemistry building here on the, the campus of IU. Uh, none of the chemists, though, are really sort of in my my field or, you know, my share common interests. So I was a, a member of Theory Lab and I knew, you know, there were already vetted scientists from from the ACS on there. So I figured it might be a great place to sort of just go fishing for, for a collaborator. So I, I hopped on and, you know, I, I created a thread looking for collaborators and, and talked to a few people and uh Seth's name came up so I, I sort of cold emailed him wow okay so so you took that first step um which is hard and I would say you got over that intimidation factor maybe just by the motivation that you knew you needed help you had looked locally and felt like this was a a place a community theory lab where you might find someone interested but still I imagine it was a little intimidating just to put that email out there and say hey this is what I'm looking for. Are you interested? Yeah, as, as junior faculty, you know, I was a, an assistant professor at the time. I'm, I'm the bottom of the totem pole. So me, me asking for help is, you know, probably what, what senior people deal with all the time. So who cares? <laughs> I was looking for someone that cares. <laughs> all right. There's something about either the project or the proposal or the way you asked, obviously, piqued Seth's interest. So Seth, what was it maybe about that email or those initial conversations that obviously followed with Matt that grabbed your interest and made you say, yeah, this this seems to be not only a person that I could work mm -hmm. with, but a project that's interesting to me. Um, so, you know, similar to Matt's sort of, you know, identifying your strengths and weaknesses, uh, you know, I'm an organic chemist and I'm you know, really good at chemistry. Um, I really like DNA repair. I find it fascinating. We've studied compounds that damage DNA, but it's also something that, you know, I can't really make headway on. 
um, on my own. And so when Matt had reached out and started talking about um, what's known as interstrand crosslink repair, which is is still a poorly understood process, I was I was very excited to find someone that was, you know, interested in this and could carry the biological aspects of it forward. Um, and of course, I could help with the with the chemistry. Um, and in our first conversation, he was enthusiastic, and it was clear he was invested in the project, and you know, excited to get going. And you know, that's equally important, I think. And um, so it was very easy to say yes and to sort of uh, start to engage with him on this uh, project. So in many ways, this sounds like the perfect scenario, and I'm sure it is often. Mm -hmm. and, and we'll talk in a few minutes about when maybe one of these puzzle pieces doesn't fit together. But it sounds like you guys had, in many ways, the, the perfect combination of a challenging area that you were both excited about, but you were both missing an essential piece to really be able to drive the project forward. And so, in many ways, your expertise was pretty synergistic. And then on the top of that, it was something you were also interested in and excited about and both had enthusiasm. So I would say the, the playing field was leveled because you both were interested and despite and maybe we can touch base on this a little bit later but maybe as as matt indicated if you had differences in your level of expertise or where you were in this professional trajectory of academia maybe some of that was was reduced as being barriers to move forward so we had a great project two people who were excited expertise that matched but i think one of the challenges that I'm sure you had to deal with was that you still understood enough about each other's area of expertise that you could communicate with each other, but neither of you has in-depth, incredibly in-depth expertise in what the other one knows. So you had to be able to talk to each other. And I think for scientists that collaborating across disciplines can be hard. So I'd like to ask both of you a couple of questions about this space. So. Once all the ingredients were right, you were both excited, you were interested, motivated. How did you actually talk about this project? So Matt, were there specific science communication skills that you really flexed, I guess, especially in the beginning, but also as the project has moved on that really made this collaboration work? Well, like I said, it all started on Theory Lab. So I'm, I'm a bit of a Luddite, but I, I was able to you know, maneuver social media <laughs> or the social space online enough to, to figure out um, theory lab but you know it, it went initially went back to old school between Seth and I it was a you know a phone call which I, I think happens less and less in science but is really more useful than sitting down and typing out a, a multi-paragraph long email because you know it, in real time back and forth we, we were shooting ideas and asking questions um, and eventually when it came time for the, the TLC grant, then we did, you know, revert to writing drafts and swapping those back and forth and, and track changes. So we sort of took, took advantage of the whole space of online, you know, in person over the phone, if you can count that, and then um, sort of re remote desktop uh, file exchange. So it sounds like you just acted like human beings, right? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Turns out scientists can do that as well. So you, you, as you said, you were able to maneuver social media to, to find Seth, but then you realize we really just need to talk. And so I think that is something that 
we can do at conferences and we can do when maybe you meet somebody in you know faculty meeting or at, at, at the bar after a, a conference but sometimes you just have to be willing to pick up the phone and say hey let's talk about this and i love how you said that you really bounced a lot of ideas back and forth and i imagine spent as much time listening as you did talking during those conversations all right so then Seth, once things began to move forward, I, I know that you were, you said you were interested in the beginning and this was a question you had always wanted to address, but it, in your words, it was a poorly understood process, but you needed a good partner. So besides the just scientific space and void that you've been able to fill or are filling, have there been other kind of unanticipated benefits of this collaboration? Um, I think so, you know, so intellectually it's been really gratifying because, you know, Matt's kind of leading the way on the, on the biological problem and I'm able to learn a lot, um, from him and, and through reading the literature as we've engaged on this project. And so it's, it's just been a lot of fun. Like I like to be in a mental space where I feel like I'm on a sort of steep learning curve and this has put me there and, you know, it's, um, it's just been very rewarding to learn about these pathways and to think about, um, you know, how to study them and, and really, you know, help Matt to study them. Um, and then also, I think it's really good for our students because, you know, as I said, I'm a chemist. My lab's focused on organic chemistry. A lot of what we do tends to be pretty esoteric. Um, and this is really an opportunity for the students to put compounds together and then um, see them in action being applied um to a very important scientific area and so it, it motivates the students and, and gets them excited and, and i think importantly encourages them to think more broadly about um about what they're doing i love that i love that you came at it from a place of a learner really and the excitement around learning and how intellectually gratifying that that's been versus we mm -hmm. could also see it as being intimidating, right? That, mm -hmm. especially as scientists, we all, we have this in-depth knowledge, but it tends to be in one very specific place. So over time, we tend to get deeper and deeper and deeper into our own area of expertise. So I love the fact that you highlight how rewarding it can be to kind of go back to where we were in training, where we were mm -hmm. learning all kinds of things. Um, and yeah, the, the benefits to your students, I'm sure have just been incredible to see really their work kind of put into action. So I guess, Matt, I might have a similar question to you. Have there been unexpected um, either benefits or unintended consequences that you just didn't, you were never like in the beginning, wow, this is something that could really cool happen from a collaboration? Well, the, the TLC grant itself <laughs> was was unexpected and, and a nice piece of news. I mean, I, I you know, was was funded already through the ACS and had money for the project, but having something that we could dedicate specifically to this was uh, was great. And you know, if I had tried to fund this through another mechanism by myself, the obvious hole was I don't have any chemical expertise. So I, I needed, uh, you know, needed that missing piece of the puzzle, as as you mentioned. And it's the it's the exact same thing for my students. You know, we're very we're biochemists, but we're mostly biology oriented. Um, and so for them to just learn about click chemistry and, uh, you know, how, how it happens and to, to read that literature, I think is it's gratifying for them and it's getting the wheels in their brains turning. You know, what else what else could we, 
use click chemistry for or what other you know techniques that the lab doesn't currently use that are out there could we apply to our research projects so matt i i am interested to circle back to something we talked about at the beginning and that is how you actually made this happen because i think this is a learning experience where many scientists are having to flex different muscles where if you find a a deficit or a challenge in your research and you know you need help before the pandemic we might have gone about finding those collaborators in a different way maybe a more organic way like you might go to a meeting and listen to a keynote and then at the end of that walk up to that person and say hey my name is matt i, I love what you're doing i'm really interested in working together and that for some scientists that's a little easier than that cold call just to pick up the phone so in the very beginning, you said that you you did figure out the online space and social media through Theory Lab to at least make the initial contacts happen. So I would be interested if you have any advice that you could share if individuals listening to the podcast are in your same space and looking for a collaborator and they're going to have to use an online forum. Um, I, I would say just don't don't be afraid to dive right in. Um, there, you know, I'm I'm somewhat active on Twitter, and I've seen people, you know, cast around for for postdoc positions on Twitter and things like that. I, in my experience, Twitter's a little too broad. Uh, so something like Theory Lab, where it's a little more focused, you know, researchers interested in cancer, you know, broadly defined, um, was a great place for me. But I'm sure there are other online communities. You know, even even things like BioArchive, if you get into some of the discussion of the papers there. Um, so just find the right space for you and dive right in. Uh, you know, don't don't be shy. If if you ask a strange question, it might not be strange to somebody else. <laughs> and I think that the thing that we all have to remember is that scientists generally have pretty thick skins. <laughs> we hear a lot of criticism all the time, whether it's reviewer feedback on papers or grants or, you know, even just when we teach the feedback that we get from students. So I, I, I really appreciate your advice to, hey, sometimes you just have to do it and get in, get into a space that can feel a little uncomfortable because as is as obvious, but from the two of you, it can be really rewarding. So Seth, I have a different question for you. And that is, do you have any advice when the relationship from the outset? So you're already maybe putting yourself out there and looking for a collaborator and you're a little uneasy because it's an online forum, but what do you do if you know that the person maybe that you were really interested in working with has a very different level of either expertise or experience or fame than you do? What do you do if you're the small fish and you really need the big fish for some help? You know, the short answer is I, I think be careful. Uh, and this is sort of a delicate question, but um, you know, as people tend to get more senior, they get busier. And um, I think, uh, you know, working with people that are um, close in age, um, you know, certainly there are benefits to working with someone with decades of experience. But, um, uh, you know, if you're a young scientist, I think collaborating with younger people um, or people of your own generation is really important because you're, you know, you're both sort of culturally and socially sort of, you know, on the same level and um, also likely to be similarly uh, invested um, 
uh, in the project. And it's not to say I haven't collaborated with very senior people, um, but I'd say the best collaborations that I've had have been with people, um, you know, sort of like Matt, similar age as me, and and you know, just uh, full of energy and and, and uh, excited about the project. So I, I would say it's it, it's fine. You know, you can reach out and do it, but uh, you just want to make sure that that person is really um, genuinely excited and willing to put the time in uh, to move the science forward. You mentioned that these can be uncomfortable conversations or a space to be in as we put ourselves out there. I'm I'm interested to know from for both of you. <laughs> perhaps related to both this collaboration and maybe others that you've experienced, do you have top recommendations for kind of a to-do and not to-do? So Matt, let me, I'll ask you first. I guess, to, you know, to-do is is just to be honest, you know, you don't want to hold a bunch of stuff close to your vest. If you want somebody to work, you know, directly with you on this, don't hide data or anything like that. You know, the hope is you're going to publish this or it's going to turn into another grant application or something like that. So just put everything out there. Um, not to do, I would recommend not doing it during a pandemic. Things have been moving pretty slow. <laughs> um, <laughs> and as Seth said, just make sure you have somebody that's, that's you know, equally as enthusiastic. It's not someone that says, oh, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. And, you know, their, their end of it just sort of sits and lags for, for weeks and months. Uh, you know, if you're both excited about it, you're both going to drive it forward. <laughs> great advice for not during a pandemic. Although I will say, at least you have the opportunity for conversations and reading and, but you know, we'll, we'll all take that in consideration. So Seth, are, do you have similar to-dos and not to-dos or do you, or is there something different that you'd like to share? Um, mine are very similar. You know, I think, yeah, looking for someone that shares your enthusiasm and, and, and um, investment in the project is, just absolutely critical. Uh, you know, also to Matt's point about sort of not holding back data, you know, there's kind of an uh, element of sort of vulnerability when you engage in these or you, you know, uh, try to set up these collaborations where it's like you're putting all this data out there, you know, and, you know, you could be wrong, your hypothesis could be off, you don't really know this person, um, you know, and so it's, it, it, it could be, you know, a bit uncomfortable, but I think you just got to push through that and, you know, be willing to just talk openly about the science and, you know, you really want to have, um, uh, a good rapport with the person, you know, that you're working with. One of the things that, you know, Matt and I sort of connected online, but then, you know, it turned out that, you know, we know, we know similar people, you know, and then sort of have interacted and in, in, in overlapped in different, uh, our, our spheres of overlap to some degree. And so having that type of personal connection is very important, you know, because that's what gets, I, th I think, gets people uh, motivated and, and, and working closely together. So I, I would say, you know, being open, uh, establishing a personal connection and relationship and then enthusiasm for the science. And then as far as not to do, you know, I think the major, the major concern with any sort of collaboration is, is setting up a dynamic where it's, you know, there's kind of a, a lab in service of another lab. And, uh, you know, I think that's a bad, I mean, that may work it, you know, that's this. This is just my opinion, but I think that that's not probably not the most productive dynamic. You, everyone should really be um, sort of on equal footing and equally uh, invested in the project. I think that's great advice. What really resonated with me 
kind of from, from what you both said is that this should not be a, a transactional experience, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Based in trust and excitement. I mean, it, it's not a ton different from finding a date or a friend or a new person to hang out with, right? I mean, I think it all goes back to really relying on what we've learned about just being good human beings on the planet and developing relationships. I mean, this is really equal parts, a scientific collaboration and equal parts relationship building is what I, I think I'm hearing from you both. All right, so Matt, I you've mentioned a little bit about this, but a, a lot of our listeners are keen to know how the American Cancer Society is investing in research. So I'd love to know, is, is are there ways that the American Cancer Society and funding from ACS has impacted your career? Uh, I, I tell this to everybody, if it wasn't for the ACS, I 100% wouldn't be here. So when I was a grad student, my boss had a research scholar grant. Um, that was his first grant as a, as a junior faculty, and that, that you know carried me through my entire grad career. Uh, as a postdoc, I was lucky enough to get a postdoctoral fellowship of my own through the ACS, and that, that covered me for all four years of, of my postdoc at Princeton. Um, and then my, my own research scholar grant as an independent investigator here at IU uh, kept the lab afloat. Uh, it's, it's actually still keeping the lab afloat. So basically all of the science I've ever done has really been on uh, the ACS's tab, and I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for it. So th thank you very much. Oh, well, we are so excited about everything that you have done and are doing. So that, um, that thanks and investment goes both ways. So Seth, I'll pose a different question to you. And that is that it, it is always a tough time to have cancer. The pandemic has, has changed that and elevated that experience for cancer patients many, in many different ways. Many of our listeners are cancer patients or survivors or caregivers. Is there a particular message you'd like to share with this group? Yes, what I would say is that, you know, I think um, everyone is rightfully concerned um, about the pandemic and how that um, uh, might influence, uh, um, you know, nobody wants to get COVID, um, especially if you uh, have cancer and you're immunocompromised. But that being said, I think it's really important for pe people to continue um, with their uh, sort of diagnostic tests and treatments and things like that. I've, I've been reading a lot about, um, you know, uh, uh, even though hospitals are starting to open up again to things other than COVID patients, people are just not seeking medical help because they're afraid of the, um, uh, of the virus. And, you know, really what it boils down to with cancer is early detection. And so there, you know, the earlier you get it, the better. And so if you think something's wrong, I think you need to um, seek out help. And what I would say is that in 2020, help is better than it's ever been. I mean, we've seen breathtaking advances in immunotherapy and, you know, now it's uh, people are looking at, uh, such as the work that we're doing with DNA repair, you know, it's, it's sort of well appreciated that we can exploit uh, these pathways to get um, selectivity in our, in our treatments and and of course, personalized medicine, where now it's it's widely appreciated that all cancers aren't the same, not surprisingly, and uh, we need to think carefully about how we treat uh, every patient. So I think it's, it's um, you know, I would encourage anyone that um, uh, is, is sick or thinks they're sick or, or thinks they might need, need care at this point to, um, to, to seek it out. Well, thank you both so much for sharing your time with us, your enthusiasm, 
not only for your scientific enterprise, but the, the ones that you are pursuing on your own in this collaborative effort together, your enthusiasm is obvious. And I think you have really highlighted ways to try to replicate what you have for other projects and maybe some things that we should try not to do. So best of luck to the two of you. We're, we're excited for the outcomes of your grant and wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Appreciate the invitation.